The following resource is from lmpc.org and we're delighted to provide it freely to all. If you feel led to give towards the ministry of Lookout Mountain Presbyterian Church, we welcome you to do so at lmpc.org slash give. Our reading this morning comes from Deuteronomy chapter 4 verses 32 through 40. For ask now of the days that are past, which were before you since the day that God created man on the earth, and ask from one end of heaven to the other, whether such a great thing as this has ever happened or was ever heard of. Did any people ever hear the voice of a God speaking out of the midst of the fire as you have heard? And still live? Or has any God ever attempted to go and take a nation for himself from the midst of another nation by trials, by signs, by wonders, and by war, by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, and by great deeds of terror, all of which the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes? To you it was shown that you might know that the Lord is God. There is no other besides him. Out of heaven he let you hear his voice, that he might discipline you. And on earth he let you see his great fire, and you heard his words out of the midst of the fire. And because he loved your fathers, and chose their offspring after them, and brought you out of Egypt with his own presence, by his great power, driving out before you nations greater and mightier than you to bring you in, to give you their land for an inheritance as it is this day. Know therefore today and lay it to your heart that the Lord is God in heaven above and on the earth beneath there is no other. Therefore you shall keep his statutes and his commandments which I command you today that it may go well with you and with your children after you, and that you may prolong your days in the land that the Lord your God is giving you for all time. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. So this morning, we come to the end of Moses' sermon. This is gonna bring a pause in our preaching series in Deuteronomy, we're about to stop. And starting next week, we're gonna pick up where we left off in Luke's gospel. Uh, and we're gonna be in Luke's gospel for much of our fall semester. But I want you to remember, Jesus quoted Deuteronomy more than any other book. So we're hoping that as we bounce from Deuteronomy to the gospels in Luke, that we, it's gonna inform and help us understand and appreciate each one even greater. And when we return to Deuteronomy, uh, we'll start it back in the new year. We're going to go right into the Ten Commandments, which I'm really excited about. But first this morning, we come to the end of Moses' sermon. And as with any helpful sermon, I'll try to do the same. Uh, at the end, the preacher reviews. They highlight, they emphasize their main point, the heart and soul, kind of the, the meat and potatoes of what they're trying to communicate. So let me pray for us, then we're going to look at what I think Moses hopes that we walk away with from our study. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we again thank you for your word to us. You are the God 
who speaks to his people. You don't leave us frantic and flailing in the darkness, trying to figure out what to do, how to be human. Moses is right. What a contrast to all of the silent false gods. And so we ask for your spirit this morning to give us eyes to see and ears to hear your words for us. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen. All right, so in the preaching world, we have this, uh, this teaching uh, point, they say, of trying to billboard your main points, uh, which is a way of highlighting your main point in such a way it's like a billboard on the side of the highway that nobody can miss. So you're trying to billboard what you want people to walk away with. Moses does this. Look at verse 35. He sums up all that has happened to the people of God. uh, And he's saying it's happened for this reason. So that you might know that the Lord is God and there is no other besides him. And then around this verse, and he says it again in verse 39, that you might know He builds his case for why we can believe, why we can trust that this central statement is true. He points us to three things that we're gonna look at this morning. Their unique experience of God's revealing and redeeming power, their unique relationship with the one true God, and then their unique response and relationship to God's law. So we're gonna look at each of those in turn. But Moses starts us off with a question. And it's a bit of an epistemological question, like how do you know with certainty? How do you know what you know? And he invites you to ask. He says, ask, look, consider. He says, how do we distinguish a justified belief from a mere opinion? He says, ask. And he says, go back. And look, how, look at the, what he covers here with his, his request. Go back as far as there's record to the beginning of time, to the day that God created humans on the earth. And he says, and then ask from one end of heaven to the other. He says, look through the entirety of time and the entirety of the universe and see if there's ever been a God like ours. So go back to creation. Has any God ever spoken to his people and revealed his wisdom and will? Has any God ever seen you, sought you out, called you, fought for you, gone before, delivered, led you out, rescued you. He's saying, remember your story. Look at what your experience has taught you about God. Go back to the beginning. God is creator. God is a revealer. He spoke out of the fire and revealed himself to you in his will. And he's rescued you from the enemy. He's your redeemer. So Moses asked, how do we know the Lord is God? And there is no other. He points to this threefold testimony, history, scripture, and experience. Look through history from creation through today. Listen to his word revealed from the fire. Remember your story, how God sought you out and rescued you. Think about those three things. God as creator, as the one who fashioned and formed us, the artist who breathed life into our being. So I started here about 20 years ago as a high school youth director. And one of the first things we studied was the book of Genesis. And as I went through that, uh, at that time I had a friend who was completely restoring and rebuilding a 60s era Land Rover. He had been driving out west and he saw this thing up on blocks in the back of someone's yard, 
just crumbling and rusting and falling apart. And he just walked up to the door and said, I'll give you a few hundred dollars to haul off your trash. And they were like, great. If you see any other trash you want, please take that too, right? Trash is yours and I would love the money. So he, he dragged it up on a trailer. He hauled it across the country and he spent months like piece by piece, he, took the, he dismantled the entire thing off of its frame. You could put a screwdriver, it was so rusted out, it would just go right through it. And he rebuilt it, every piece. If it was broken, he replaced it, he restored it. And he loved this thing. He, he rebuilt it until it was almost perfect. And so we're gathered around him one day, we're talking, he's telling us the story of how all the work he's put in, all the troubles he came across, how he came over, the, overcame them and put it back together to be what it is. One of my friends gets this sly grin, right? And he grabs a hammer and he starts to walk towards the car like this. Completely joking, of course. But my friend who rebuilt this thing instinctually threw himself in front of it, ready to take a hammer to the chest before someone hurt this thing that he loved. Do you see what Moses is saying as he takes us back to creation? He says, what is our God like? He says, remember your creator who fashioned you and loves you and will allow, allow nothing to destroy you. He stood between you and the plagues. He stood between you and the army of Egypt. He stood between you and the waves of the Red Sea as you passed through the waters. Remember your creator who loves you and will allow nothing to destroy you. Then in verse 33, he says, did any people ever hear the voice of a God speaking out of the midst of the fire? He points us to the revelation of God. And the reason this statement is so unique and important is because the false gods all around them were visible, but not audible. That means people had no idea how to please them, how to honor them, how to win their affection. Uh, no matter what they did, like think, how did their religious practices get so vile? How did their behavior get so crazy? Because they never heard a word from their God. Do you remember Elijah and the prophets of Baal? He's like, pray to your God that he would bring down fire on your altar. And for hours they wait. At first they're praying. Then they try singing. Then they're dancing. By the end of it, they're beating themselves and whipping themselves and cutting themselves. Baal, please listen. Baal doesn't speak. Baal isn't alive. He's dead. He doesn't exist. It is a mercy that God has revealed himself, that he speaks to his people. That's the chaos of serving anything that is not the true God. You're constantly asking, what else can I do? What else do I have to give? What do you want from me? Silence. So think how beautiful it is for the one true God to reveal his will to his people. And God's already given them the 10 commandments and Moses is about to share those with us in the next chapter. But it's a law that Jesus summarized like this, saying it says, here's my will. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. That's my will for you. Isaiah later describes, says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. That's the heart of God. The sacrifices of the true God are a broken and contrite heart. What God is saying 
is beautiful. Moses is showing in contrast to the false gods of the world, the one true God actually speaks to us. And what he says is really good news. So God's a creator. Remember, God has revealed his will to you. But God's also a redeemer. Verse 34 says, God came and took you out of captivity. With his mighty hand, his outstretched arm, he rescued them through trials, signs, wonders, war. He's done what no other God has done. And he brought us from an ungodly kingdom into his very own. Remember your rescue. Remember your redemption. Remember what it was like under the reign of evil. Remember how our God came to you and delivered you. Remember his work in your life. How do we know the Lord is God and there is no other? Look at history. Look at scripture and what he's revealed. Look at his redemption in your own life and know that the Lord is God. But then we move to verses 36 through 39. Moses here, he talks about our, re, our unique relationship with the one true God. So if verses 32 to 34 were like an appeal for us to see the history and experience of God's acts of power and his acts of mercy, then verse 36 through 39 are an appeal for us to see the loving heart of God, the loving heart of the Father behind those acts. So listen to this, verse 37. He says, it's because of his love that we are where we are right now. That's what brought us here. How did we get here? Because God loved us. Because he loved your fathers and their children after them. And he brought you into this land because of his love. Now think about how this passage reveals the character of God's love. And listen to verse 36. I wonder if this struck you as we read it. It says, out of heaven, he lets you hear his voice that he might discipline you. That struck me as odd at first. Imagine saying that to a kid. Here's a gift. Now I can discipline you more. Oh, thank you. <laughs> That's great. Um, but think about what that means. First, it means that God loved us while we were still sinners. He said, I see you and I love you so that I might discipline you. When you were in need of help, loving correction, that's when he loved you. And he let us hear his voice. And remember what he, Hebrews 12 says about discipline. He writes, my child, don't regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. Don't be weary when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves. He corrects every child whom he receives. And he says later, the mo for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. This is good news that God doesn't just ignore or look past our sins, but he enters into our struggle. God knows that sin is ruthlessly destructive, that it destroys his image in us. His intention for us. It's like a hammer to a Land Rover. And God says, I love you. And I'm gonna protect you from that. I'm not gonna leave you alone in the battle. Like a good parent, I will discipline you to rid you from anything that would seek to destroy you. And Moses wrote of it in the passage last week. He said, kind of pointing out like the worst thing that could happen for us is for God to remove his hand and care and say, Okay, fine, go and love, 
what will never love you back. Go ahead. Give your heart, soul, mind, and strength to the dead, to the inanimate, to the lifeless. That is the worst punishment we could have from God. But this reveals that God's love for us is rooted in a knowledge of who we are, what we were made for, what we struggle with. When he says, I'll discipline you, saying, I'm gonna fight for you. I'm gonna make my image more beautiful until you are in the likeness of my son. And so we've used this word unique throughout the outline, but how is God's relationship with his people unique? How do all these truths help us see that the Lord is God and there is no other? Well, the relationship with God is unique because it starts with him. This is the only deity to say, I acted with power and mercy because I loved you. Like every false god is born out of the idea that if I do something hard, if I do something difficult, if I do something sacrificial and generous, then I will get love and blessing. If I act, I will be loved. And my goodness, in 20 years of youth ministry, that is rooted in the human soul. If I perform, I will be loved. And you hear it, what, how's your game? I scored 30 points, great. Here's the ball, do it again. You can get 35 next week? You gonna be better? You gonna reach higher? Like it says never ending, like that was good, do it again, we'll love you more. Like no one's telling them if you perform, we'll love you. But in every heart that struggles with feeling that if we do well, people will love us. And if we fail, they probably won't. That's what the entire idol system is built on. Obscene acts of sacrifice or generosity or performance earn love and blessing. But God enters into an entirely unique relationship with us, with his people. He says, you failed and I love you, so I act. You failed and I love you, so I am the one who takes action. Because he loved us, he acts in power and mercy to rescue us and give us a home. And so now we have a unique response to God's law. We have a unique relationship with it. Verse 40 ends with, therefore you shall keep his statutes and commandments, which I command you today, that it may go well with you and with your children after you. So Moses invited us, look back to the beginning of time, from one end of the cosmos to the other to see the incomparability of our God. There's none like him, not only in acts of mercy, but in his heart from which they flow. The love of God is also incomparable. Incomparable God, incomparable love. So Moses says, because these are true, go and keep his commandments. Because God said, you failed and I love you, so I've acted. That means his law comes after his love. His law comes as an expression of his love, not as a means by which we earn it. He says, I love you, so I rescued you. I led you here. I gave you my name. I gave you a home. And guess what? Here's another gift, my law. Here's how you live as the loved of God as a child of God. And this is all bound to the promise to Abraham. Do you remember that one? He says, I'm gonna place you in the land so you will be a light 
to all the nations. Here's my law. Here's how you share my love with each other and with the world. We have a unique relationship in response to God's law because he loved us and then gave us his law and then has called us to embody it. But we know that God's love was a greater gift or his law was a greater gift even still because it's gonna point us all to the one who would fulfill it completely, God's own son, our Lord Jesus. He prayed for us in John 17 that we would know God, the very prayer of Moses. He says, I pray that they would know God for this is eternal life, that you would know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. An imperfect expression of the Father's love, Jesus looked his disciples in the eye. He said, my body's gonna be broken for you. My blood will be shed for you. Jesus knew their failure. That's why he came. And in that moment, he says, by the way, you're going to fail. You're gonna abandon me. You're gonna deny me. But I love you. And so I am taking action on your behalf. And then he said this on that night. He said, a new command I give to you. Love one another. As I have loved you, as I'm about to love you, so you must love one another. With the love the Father's shown to us, go and love one another. So Moses concludes his sermon by saying, our God is the Lord, there is no other. We have no need to turn anywhere else. He says, remember your experience of his redeeming power. Look at your unique relationship with the one true God. Consider your unique relationship and response to his law, a law that comes after his love. Remember, look, and consider what he's done, who he is, and then believers, stand firm in the knowledge that the Lord is the one true God who loves and rescues you, and there is no other. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are the one true God. As we think about you as creator, the one who fashioned and formed us, the one who's given us your word so that we might know how to live in freedom and love and peace. And the one who has come after us in our failure to do so because you loved us. Father, we thank you for who you are. I pray this morning as we listen to Moses' sermon that our hearts would stand firm, that we would have a firm belief in the knowledge of the one true God who loved us and gave himself for us. It's in your holy son's name we pray, amen.